It should be obvious that we cannot solve a crisis with the same methods that got us into it in the first place. This is a last chance saloon. Because if we don't really take the decisions that are vital now, it's going to be almost impossible to catch up. We will end the moratorium on extracting our huge reserves of shale, which could get gas flowing as soon as six months. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon. East tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbon East, a series for Falls Gold. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. Remember, if it's green, it's in. We record this on the week that our former Prime Minister Boris Johnson, or Green Boris, as he's known to his friends, has given evidence to the Select Committee and lied his arse off once again. Let's speak to our man who was snacking on the popcorn throughout... He is the green entrepreneur and environmentalist, Dale Vince. How are you doing, Dale? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Green Boris, I never heard such a thing. Only only he could say that, right? And we know uh, his relationship with the truth is like, right? I, I think yes, I think that's it. He just says stuff and just hopes it sticks. And if it sticks to you know ten percent of people, he's perfectly okay with that. He don't give a shit, does he? Not really, no. But I mean, he's gone now. But he might be gone even further because he could lose his seat as a, a an MP if the if the vote goes against him. It won't, though, will it? Because Tory MPs don't want a by election, even though they might think he's guilty. That's the problem. It won't be an actual kind of judicial outcome. It'll be yeah, he's guilty, but look, we don't want a by election, so let's not sanction him the way that we should. That's what will happen. Yeah, and, but also on, on top of that, Dale, the, the last thing Rishi Sunak, if there was a by-election and Boris fought it, that would mean for a month Boris Johnson will be on every front page of yes. every newspaper, <laughs> and that is the last thing Sunak wants to see. The, yeah. You can only imagine the despair. Yeah, and of course the Tories would have to pour money and resources into that by-election to avoid losing it. They'd have to fight for Johnson. Sunak would have to fight for Johnson. I don't think yeah. he wants that. Lots of us want it. We will wait with interest until they come back. Could be ages, by the way. I don't know why these things take so long. I could have come out of that committee and just gone, yeah, he's <laughs> f-. and uh, But they deliberate, and I suppose they pay some expensive lawyers to, you know, to, to run over the small print, maybe. I think we paid for his expensive lawyers as it happens. 200 grand's worth, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's all right, isn't it? And that's the advice it points. Yeah, note to self, don't hire those lawyers. That's what I would say, having watched his evidence. <laughs> if that was the <laughs> advice he was given. Oh, given the situation he's in, I think they've done all right, because, I mean, it was a pretty indefensible case. It was his truth, Dale. And what did he come up with? You know, if, if it was a lie, it was uh, it was an honest one. Yeah, I didn't. I thought it was true at the time, which is kind of what any liar says, isn't it? Isn't that how it works? Isn't that the whole concept of lying is based really on that very concept? Yeah, but it's still a lie. He didn't think it was true at the time. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about the IPCC. We must accelerate the end of fossil fuels. This is under the banner of Tell Us Something We Didn't Know. But what's the detail here, Dale? Yeah, so latest report from the IPCC, it's called the Synthesis Report. It pulls together reports from the last few years into something less than several hundred pages in order to make it more digestible for everybody. And it basically says we're on course to breach 1.5 degrees this century if we don't act radically now. Uh, we're, we're heading for three degrees and we need a moratorium on new fossil fuels. Of course, we all know that or plenty of us know that, I would say. It's, it's our last warning, really, that uh, if we don't move dramatically, then we'll break 1.5 degrees and, and continue moving rapidly to three degrees, which would be a disaster. In fact, they say that half the planet already, nearly four billion people, are climate vulnerable right now. 
what happens? What what's the the actual manifestation? Uh, so if everything is ignored and governments just carry on as they as they're doing, whether it's R one or any of the others, which is pretty much all of them, right. what what happens? Well, it's the stuff that we've been seeing: severe droughts, catastrophic flooding, uh, you know, increasingly intense storms, rising sea levels, and and a you know devastation of nature, millions of people being forced from their homes, tens of thousands of deaths. We saw that in Europe this year from a heat wave. Mm. You know, heat heat records have been broken in South America this year. In India, that they've just had the hottest temperatures in 120 years, and you know, all of this stuff we can see it, right? Crazy weather. Let's just call it that. Uh, it's it's with us now, but it's going to get crazier. Uh, let's talk about shipping emissions. I thought this was a really good story because it's it's not something that's I, I don't think we I don't, not even sure we've ever covered this on the podcast, but it is very significant, particularly in the wake of what we just talked about. Yeah, I like this one because uh, along with aviation, shipping so far has been excluded from all international agreements like the Paris Accord and that kind of stuff. But unlike aviation, the shipping industry is getting its shit together. The International Maritime Organization, which has uh, got 175 countries as members, is taking this whole thing really seriously. And they're proposing a levy, a carbon levy on shipping because these, these, these guys in these ships, they burn the dirtiest fuel uh, on the planet, actually. It might even be dirtier than coal. It's horrible stuff. Uh, they're proposing a carbon levy. There's going to be a bit of wrangling over what to spend it on. It could be spent on cleaning up shipping. The uh, the World Bank has intervened to say it should be spent on uh, and actually uh, – uh, helping countries that you know that are most affected by uh, the climate crisis, that kind of stuff. Don't really care about that. The fact that there will be a carbon tax on shipping that looks pretty certain. I think it's brilliant. So up to the aviation guys now to take some responsibility, like the shipping guys have. Indeed, and you wonder when that might come because I was, I was looking at Sadiq Khan and the ULES uh, introduction, which I am deeply suspicious about. He doesn't actually care if you pollute London as long as you pay for it, and I think that is the slight flaw. I'm sure the intention is there, but twelve pound fifty, you can rev that gas guzzler up as much as you like. Yeah, I mean, it always looks like that, doesn't it? You know, when you tax pollution, um, which is what the uh, the maritime organization are planning to do, tax pollution, they argue it will incentivize shipping companies to clean up their act and, and transition to clean fuels and all that kind of stuff. It is the same with ultra low emission zones and lower emission zones. You have to pay to pollute, but that tends to put people off polluting. And yeah, if you've got loads of money in a gas guzzler, you may not care about it right now. But for most people, it brings change. London has got the cleanest air that it's had in a very long time time because of these uh, low pollution zones so you know it, it is working uh, here's one from yvette on facebook uh, apropos nothing at all says uh, what is the best vegan restaurant in gloucestershire dale well you're into restaurant reviewing now well yeah look at me go actually uh, i don't know um <laughs> that's my answer like um wherever i go i ask for a vegan option and you yeah. know most places they can accommodate you like you know indians for example i'm a quite a fan of curries and you can often get a, a vegan option of anything my favorite cafe in the world is in stroud called star anise and it's not actually vegan because on a friday they do fish but i don't have to eat it and uh, and they make incredible vegan food so i'm going to say star anise in stroud is my top tip oh just occurred to me forest green Great vegan restaurant with a little bit of entertainment on the pitch as well. Actually, a lot of entertainment, but not all good. Good. (laughs) But that's where you should get your best pies from. No doubt about that. Uh, We've also got, and this is a pleasant surprise, Dale, we've got this. Hi, I'm Mike Graham from Talk TV, and I've been asked to tell you about greed issues and a new book called Manifesto. It's brilliant, apparently. Do you believe in climate change? Mm. I don't. 
Do you believe we all need to find a greener way of living our lives? No, I don't either. I think it's all a load of guff perpetuated by loony lefties and eco-zealots hell-bent on causing a nuisance. Do you believe we're all killing our beautiful planet? No. Neither do I, but I know a fellow who does. His name's Dale Vince. He's so convinced he's written a whole book about it called Manifesto. The Battle for Green Britain. It's part memoir, part handbook for changing the world and shaking it up, apparently. I won't be buying it, but you can if you want to waste your hard-earned cash. It's 4 99 Pretty cheap, isn't it? You must be wealthy as hell. According to this script, it's available now from fgr.co.uk forward slash shop. It is your... I was about to say arch nemesis, Mike Graham, flogging your book. <laughs> yeah, you got to love him, isn't you? I mean, I love going on his show. We're actually friends. There's no doubt about it. If you yeah. see the interaction, you know, he'll he'll say something rabid on, on the radio and I'll laugh at him and he laughs at himself when he sees me laugh. And then, then he gives me the space to uh, say something sensible. Uh, which is nice. And uh, <laughs> at the end of his last show, he, he finished by waving my book around and saying, I'm not buying it. And it gave us the idea to say, hey, Mikey, you know, do you want to record us an advert, which, which yeah. he's done? Great fun and fair play. There it is, yeah. Well, I mean, if I, if I didn't know you or Mike Graham, I would listen to that and that would flog it for me. I would do it. <laughs> I would buy it. So uh, there it is. And just to uh, reiterate, fgr.co.uk slash shop. Four ninety nine. It's a special offer at that price from the Forest Green Rovers shop, and of course, two new chapters. It's paperback, and it's doing amazingly well, Dale. Yeah, it's already a bestseller, actually. Yeah. Uh, on Amazon, for example, in the energy industry list, it's number four. And oddly enough, in the venture capital list, it's number nine. I mean, I'm not a venture capitalist, uh, but there's a lot about business in the book, so maybe that's why. And um, we'll see the first ranking of it in the, in the proper book charts on Monday next week. But there is trouble in the ranks, Dale. Oh, is it? Charlie on LinkedIn says, try to get a copy of Manifesto via your cheap deal sent to my home in the United States. But it tells me the shipping is £50 extra. Surely not, says Charlie. Well, you don't run the postal service, Dale, but 50 knicker does sound like a lot of money. It's bonkers, isn't it? We'll send you one if you if you send me an address, and um, hopefully it won't cost fifty quid. But we will do it anyway. So you know, get your address to me. We'll sort it out. Perfect. Let's move to Sweden. Well, not move to Sweden literally. Uh, Greta, <laughs> I was going to say, is it cheaper postage or something? <laughs> Indeed, yes. There's loads of books available there. Uh, Greta Thunberg and climate activists are given the green light to sue Sweden. What has Sweden done so badly wrong, Dale? Yeah, I like it. Well, basically, what Sweden has done is what it hasn't done, which is to have a proper climate crisis policy for reducing carbon emissions. And uh, I think it's a group of about 600 environmentalists, including Greta, that have come together calling themselves Aurora. And they've uh, kind of sought permission to sue the Swedish government. And they got approval for that in the last couple of days on the basis that it's a breach of the Human Rights Act for Sweden not to have done better. And of course, that's going to light up a few Tories over here. But I think it's pretty pretty brilliant if they win then that's got implications for the whole of europe that's massive isn't it the trouble is with this kind of stuff like we were saying a second ago about about any judicial review or anything like that you know you sit there and you you see the headline and then you hear nothing for two years Mm. yeah i mean this one's going to run over uh, over the next few months the government have to give their response and then we'll see what happens but i mean essentially they're saying uh it's a human rights issue because the planet will be unlivable it's about the future of all of us and governments are responsible for for you know for taking care of that and and 
the science is clear and the need is clear, but the plans that they have just don't cut the mustard. So, I mean, it's a, it, it looks like a black and white case to me. Yeah. Uh, this comes from Martin, who says, uh, Dale, just wanted to say, found your book full of surprises, very informative. Uh, you have skills and your enthusiastic determination around energy, transport and food is infectious. Just a, That's very kind. That's a very nice yeah. thing for him to say. Um, just a point on the food thing, because although we do talk about quite a lot of food stories, which is probably something coming up in this episode, uh, it's crucial, isn't it? So everything you talk about, things you've written about, this is not just about how you heat your house and what people are doing with cars. The food issue is absolutely paramount to the entirety of this debate. It is. It's key. I was just reading something just now, actually, showed that uh, you know typically 30% of global emissions are driven by agriculture. Most of that is animal agriculture. We know at the same time from an Oxford Uni report of a few years ago that the difference between uh, our current diets and a purely plant-based diet would free up 75% of all farmland globally. And it's that farmland being used to feed animals to feed us that is driving nature you know, into uh, extinction globally. It's the same in our country. So if we change our diets, not only do we massively reduce carbon emissions, but we make space for nature as well. And of course, we also improve our own health. So it's a really big part of the of the puzzle that we have to solve. Here's one, Del. Hydrogen boilers will allow fossil fuels to continue. What's this all about? And where are these hydrogen boilers? Yeah, I saw this and, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it made me chuckle. Uh, somebody's done a study and, and basically they're arguing that a hydrogen boiler is really just a boiler and and therefore it's a loophole around the government's proposed plan on new boilers. So when your gas boiler fucks up in like, I don't know, a couple of years time, you won't be able to buy a new one. You'll have to spend eight grand on a heat pump, which will increase your annual energy bills by 50% and give you lower temperature heat into the bargain. And what they said was that that, that really tickled me is that there are lots of expert studies that show that uh, hydrogen 100% hydrogen heating in houses isn't available now. And when it does come, it will be expensive. It's not a national or nationally feasible plan. I laugh at that because we've done the studies into heat pumps as well. So these people are saying we need heat pumps, hydrogen won't work. Uh, but we've done the study into heat pumps and it's a bonkers idea. You know, 20% of British homes can't use one. Another 20% need massive intervention to make them work. Everybody's bill will be higher by 50%. We need to make three times as much renewable energy to feed them. So we need a big upgrade on the grid as well. And the cost is 300 billion a year. Green gas made from grass will cost yep. us 50 billion. So it made me chuckle that these uh, expert consultants uh, are completely looking at the wrong thing. Yeah, there's a lot of elephants in the room that just for some reason are just painted. <laughs> no, one, we won't talk about that. It's uh, despite all the advice and common sense surrounding it. Um, this On a related issue, Robert uh, emails zero carbonista at ecotricity.co.uk says, Dale, what is the latest with your green gas mill at Reading? Is it ready to go? I think this will be crucial, a crucial showcase for the government showing them that it will work and is a viable alternative. Yeah, well, look, I agree. It is crucial. Uh, it will do that job as well because there's nothing better than having something that works. Every time we talk about this as a concept and we show the national potential, we get a lot of interest, but we get that skepticism like, you know, will it really work? There must be something wrong with this. Do you know what I mean? It's a little bit too good to be true. So we know the value of the first project. This one should have gone live on the grid February, March. Uh, we've had some delays with some crucial components, and now we're locked out of the grid for the whole month of April, unfortunately. So it's going to go live in May. Anyway, long story short, it's coming. 
should be on the grid in May, and I can't wait. Here's a quick one, Dale. Oxford City Council approves vegan-only food policy for meetings. Now, we slot this one in there because not the first, it's probably about the 12th time we've had <laughs> one of these stories, whether it's at universities or even council buildings. Now, council yes. buildings, it's quite encouraging that are, are making this decision. It doesn't take much, and there's very rarely a lot of, I mean, there's one or two people who are a bit pissed off about it, but very rarely much aggro. Yeah, and it was uh, Oxford County Council that did this a little while ago, ahead of the City Council. You know, they got a little bit of flack, but it's not unlike uh, Forest Green Rovers. You know, we did it a while ago, we got a little bit of flack, and then everybody moves on, and it's no biggie. Simple as that. And I like this one, peers as in not Corbyn, peers as in the people that sit, or Morgan, uh, peers as it not Brosnan, the ones that sit in the <laughs> House of Lords uh, have come up with an unbelievable conclusion about water companies. Are you ready for this? Yes, I love this one. They reckon that water companies might, they might just be putting profits before the environment. Yeah, I love this one. We need a new category, like tell us something so f***ing obvious um, (laughs) that that, that we fall about laughing. I mean, of course they're right. We all know this. Blimey, where where, where do these peers spend their days? You know, millions of tons of sewage is being dumped into our rivers and seas by these guys. I mean, they've been fined, you know, huge amounts of money. There's even a threat now that they won't be allowed to have shareholder dividends until they sort their act out. But it's not just water companies, you know, it's, it's oil and gas companies. It's companies generally put money before the environment. And I do think that we need to change company law so that companies are obliged to put the environment on at least an equal footing with dividends. And a final question, Gemma on Twitter. Any plans for more book signings and appearances other than the three that you have announced? Yeah, well, look, I had to cancel uh, Brighton this week because I came down with some hideous form of lurgy. I was asked to come with you, actually. Yeah, and you said no. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, what's with that? (laughs) I went, no. Uh, Brighton? Dale? No. No, no, I was uh, was on the telly that night. That's why I couldn't do Brighton. I would have happily come to Brighton and been there for the book signing. That's fair. But we are doing WOMAD, of course, later in the year. We are. So I'm doing Stroud tomorrow, which is one of the three. I'm going to have to put Brighton back on because, uh, you know, I feel bad that I let people down there. So if you're not on telly that day, let's uh, (laughs) let's – (laughs) <laughs> let's do it i work in that bookshop in my spare time dale so. oh nice and, and we've had loads of requests actually since doing those well so far one but there'll be another one tomorrow from other bookshops and people saying like you know are you coming to manchester you're coming to yorkshire Brilliant. you know that kind of stuff which is really nice fantastic and that book of course if you go to fgr.co.uk slash shop you can get that special offer four ninety nine paperback, two new chapters, forward by John Robb. It's all there, fgr.co.uk slash shop. Uh, Dale, we'll speak next week. Brilliant. Looking forward to it. Have a good one. Twitter.com slash Dale Vince is where you can follow Dale. Facebook.com slash Dale Vince and on Insta and on TikTok too. Zero. Carbon. East off.